Welcome to Moonlight Road, a podcast that goes deep into the Bad News Canal's investigation. For the past little while, our group has been conducting research to get a better understanding of the investigation. This podcast will tell you the entire story of how NFL star Michael Vick ran a dogfighting ring on his Virginia property, 1915 Moonlight Road. Today's episode, we explore the life before fame for NFL star Michael Vick. Dogfighting, a cruel and illegal activity in which two dogs are pitted against each other in a fight for entertainment and gambling purposes. Many historical civilizations, including the Roman Empire and ancient Greece, engaged in the practice of dogfighting, which was viewed as a kind of entertainment and spectacle. With canines bred and trained expressly for battle, it was frequently used to demonstrate bravery, skill, and power. Fights were conducted in arenas or amphitheaters and drew big crowds. Dogfighting is illegal in most countries, but there are still many countries like Japan, China, and Albania where dogfighting is still legal. Prior to 2007, dogfighting was a widespread problem with a number of alarming elements. It was common practice to breed dogs particularly for aggression, frequently using painful and unethical methods. Dogs were put through rigorous training to improve their combat skills, frequently using techniques that involved severe physical and psychological abuse. Because dogfighters operated in covert networks and underground communities, it was difficult to identify and convict offenders. A profitable market was also formed by the financial incentives linked to illegal dogfighting gambling, which contributed to the sport's tenacity. Before joining the NFL, Michael Vick's life was characterized by considerable difficulties and hardships. Vick experienced a tough reality as a child growing up in the impoverished Newport News, Virginia, marked by little options and an unstable neighborhood. He grew up in a neighborhood where gangs were common and provided many young people with an alternative to the violence, drugs, and crime that plagued the area. Vick struggled to break free from the cycle of hardship due to lack of support role models and mentors, and he ran into many challenges along the way. His family suffered from financial hardships, and he frequently encountered prejudice and hostility from the public. Vic was vulnerable to the harmful influences present in his environment due to a lack of stability and sufficient mentorship, which eventually led to his involvement in dogfighting. The early years of Vic's life present a heartbreaking picture of a young guy who struggled against the odds and yearned for a chance to escape the struggles that created him. Michael Vick's introduction to his dogfighting associates began through his personal connections within his hometown of Newport's News, Virginia. One such individual was Qantas Phillips, who formed a friendship with Vick, possibly due to their shared background and interests. Additionally, Vick's cousin, Devon Boddy, was also involved in the dogfighting ring and had been living in a house owned by Vick, which served as a central location for their illegal activities. Another associate, Tony Taylor, became acquainted with Vic through his involvement in the dogfighting scene. These connections facilitated Vic's entry into the world of dogfighting and eventually led to their collaboration in operating the notorious Bad News Canals, where the illegal activities took place. Tony Taylor, one of Vic's associates, was a key player in the management and continuation of the unlawful activities prior to the 2007 Bad News Canals dogfighting investigation. Taylor was raised in Surrey County, Virginia, where he developed a strong foundation in the dogfighting industry. He became good friends with Michael Vake and played a significant role in the founding and operation of the dogfighting business.
Devon T. Bodie, the cousin of Michael Vick. He had a significant presence in the events leading up to the 2007 Bad News Canals dogfighting investigation. Hailing from Newport News, Virginia, Bodie played a role in the financial aspect of the illegal operation. He owned a property in Surrey County where the dogfighting activities took place, and his residence became a key location for housing dogs involved in the fights. Bodie's association with the dogfighting ring and his ownership of the property created a link between the operation and the Vig family. Although Bodie's exact involvement in the day-to-day -day activities of the dogfighting enterprise remains unclear, his connection to the operation became a significant factor in the subsequent legal proceedings and investigations surrounding Bad News Canals. Prior to the 2007 Bad News Canals investigation, Quanos Phillips had a history intertwined with Michael Vick, the former professional football player. Phillips, hailing from the same hometown as Vick, Newport News, Virginia, formed a friendship with them in their early years. While details about Phillips' life before 2007 are relatively scarce, Many sources tell us that Phillips had a large factor into bringing in Vic to funding dogfighting. Phillips played a significant role in the operation, participating in the trading and fighting of dogs at the infamous Bad News Canals. However, his involvement in the illegal activities would eventually lead to legal consequences. When the investigation came to light, resulting in charges and subsequent prison sentences for Phillips and Vic. Michael Vick played outstanding high school football throughout his whole career. He studied at Newsport News, Virginia, Warwick High School, where he rapidly established himself as a star quarterback. Vick, who became a local phenomenon for his incredible athleticism and arm strength, helped his team achieve remarkable success. College football programs all throughout the country took notice of his outstanding on-field accomplishments. Vick received multiple offers from prominent universities as a highly sought-after recruit. In the end, he decided to play for Virginia Tech, cementing his reputation as a football prodigy and laying the groundwork for his continued success in the sport. Newport News, Virginia, serves as a backdrop deeply intertwined with Michael Vick and his associates. Born and raised in the city, Vick's connection to Newport News runs deep, shaping his early life and providing the foundation for his rise to fame. Newport News, known for its rich football culture, played a pivotal role in Vic's journey as he owned his athletics on the local fields and emerged as a standout quarterback. It was within this close-knit community that Vic formed friendships and associations that would later come under scrutiny. Some of his closest associates, including Quanis Phillips, Tony Taylor, and his cousin Devon T. Bodie, also hailed from Newport News. Together, they navigated the local football scene, forming a tight-knit network that would eventually become embroiled in controversy. The city of Newport News, therefore, not only served as a backdrop to Vic's early years, but also played a role in shaping the connections and associations that ultimately became central to his story. In the early stages, before the full extent of the dogfighting scandal involving Michael Vick came to light, there were several allegations and suspicions that began to circulate. Some individuals in the Newsport News community where Vic grew up started questioning the nature of his associations and activities off the football field. Whispers began to spread about Vic's possible involvement in dogfighting with rumors suggesting that he frequently illicit gatherings and made financial contributions to support the cruel sport. These initial allegations, although lacking concrete evidence, raised concern 
and prompt closer scrutiny into Vic's personal life. As the murmurs grew louder, they set the stage for a deeper investigation that would ultimately reveal the truth behind the suspicions around Vic and his connection to the dogfighting underworld. Dogfighting being a drawback to some individuals is highly disturbing and poses serious ethical questions. It's crucial to know that a number of intricate factors interact to produce the fascination some people may have for dogfighting. Some people can be drawn to the events because of the apparent thrill and spectacle, considering them as a type of sport or competition. A small percentage of people can find the adrenaline boost that comes from watching animals fight intensely to be entertaining. Some individuals' attitude towards dogfighting may also be influenced by cultural and socioeconomic circumstances, peer pressure, and also socialization. What are some misconceptions that people may have about animal cruelty and how can we address them? So I think the most important thing um, to understand is that obviously there are um, legal prescriptions around animal cruelty. Um, and obviously there's also um, social concerns around that. Um, I, I don't know, in terms of um, misperceptions, I think most people uh, in our society recognize that cruelty to animals is a horrible, horrible uh, behavior in addition to being a crime, um, but it also uh, has been shown to be a, um, uh, a symptom of a larger problem in which many people who perpetrate animal cruelty um, often are involved in other behaviors that are criminally and socially uh, inappropriate. Hi, this is Omar speaking. Uh, my next question Hi. was, what is your role in preventing animal cruelty? So the Regional Animal Protection Society, uh, in addition to providing uh, direct care to animals uh, and their people, um, we engage in education advocacy and outreach through which we educate the public about the responsibilities uh, for caring for animals and we also um, receive animals who have been um, mistreated uh, or uh, have been neglected and so we ensure that they are rehabilitated and uh, that they live out their lives to the best of their ability. What's your opinion on like some of the root causes of animal cruelty and what steps can we take to address these underlying issues? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in some ways um, that's a question for a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Um, you know, we work with animals and, and so the motivations um, that drive people to behave in ways that are cruel to animals um, that sort of that's a human problem. We, we, our organization, we tend to deal with uh, the animals rather than the people. But obviously, we are um, very concerned and involved in um, educating and uh, preparing, especially young people, to care for animals. So we, um, our objective is to ensure that uh, that everybody um, recognizes that animals deserve to be treated. Um, with respect and with care. So, um, so we hope to, through education and advocacy, to create a world and a society where 
animals are treated well because human beings um, behave in the manner they should towards all living creatures. Can you maybe uh, talk about the impact of animal cruelty in our communities and how big of a problem is this really? Hmm. Um, statistically, I, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know that we have uh, statistics exactly that would would answer that question. But, you know, we see, um, we see animals uh, that come to us that have been uh, neglected and abused. Uh, we also have animals that come to us because they um, have been found uh, uh, in, in the community. Like um, uh, many of the cats who live at our cat sanctuary uh, were feral cats who uh, were born uh, in, you know, the woods or in an industrial area and so forth. Um, feral, abandoned, stray animals come to us. Um, in terms of abused animals, um, British Columbia has legislation that gives specific uh, responsibility to the SPCA to investigate uh, animal cruelty. And so um, they, they would have more direct statistics on the levels of animal cruelty in uh, Metro Vancouver or in British Columbia. Um, but we can say that, um, you know, one an one abused or neglected animal is is too many, um, but we um, you know our work is intended to improve the lives and um, and ensure that these animals uh, are socialized and and put in a home where they can be loved and and have the kind of life that they that they need and deserve. For sure, hundred percent, and. How is I, as an individual, and how can individuals and communities take action to support animal welfare and combating, you know, such events, horrible events like dog fighting and other forms of animal cruelty? Yeah. So I think um, there's so many, so many ways to, to be involved because organizations like ours, um, we depend on um, individuals and organizations in the community to for everything that we do and so um, you know we have a relatively small staff team uh, and and then we have dozens hundreds of volunteers who provide individualized care to all the animals um, that come to us and so um, we depend on volunteers and that's a way that so many people can have a real impact no matter what their income levels are um, if, if somebody has a few hours a week to devote to an animal rescue organization, it just makes an, in, just an incredible difference in the lives of animals. Um, obviously, uh, if somebody is in a position to donate money, um, there are so many good causes, uh, including ours, uh, that are doing work with animals. Um, and then there are sort of the, the macro issues like... Um, you know, when there's an election or in between elections, talk to your elected officials about ensuring that um, matters that are important for animals are also important for people and the people who represent them. Um, in fact, right now, the, the government of British Columbia is just now considering changes to legislation that would recognize animals 
not as chattel, as not, not as property like a piece of furniture, but as living sentient members of the family so that when, um, when a family court, when a judge uh, is looking at a situation in which a family is dissolving when there's a divorce or something, um, that a family pet is viewed um, as the living entity that it is instead of being viewed as property like, uh, like you know, a piece of furniture or something that is owned and that the best interest of the animal is the thing that is considered when determining the, the fate of the, of the animal. Um, so there's, there's a whole bunch of ways that people can be involved, but I think one of the most important is just being aware um, of the, the, the role that animals play in our families, households, neighborhoods, and communities in making, making us happier, healthier, and, um, uh, and ensuring that we as a society continue to recognize the importance of animals and the right that animals have to be treated properly and with respect and with love. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Moonlight Road, where we delved into the early stages of the infamous Bad News Canals incident. It is a stark reminder of the dark world of dogfighting and the lives affected by this cruel practice. We hope this episode shed light on the investigations and suspicions that paved the way for justice to be served. Remember to follow us on Twitter at MoonlightRDPod and subscribe to our YouTube channel MoonlightRD to stay updated on our podcast journey. We also encourage you to support the cause against animal cruelty as donating to SPCA organization. Together we can make a difference and work towards a future where all animals are treated with compassion and respect. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on Moonlight Road. Thank you.